Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. From the home of time. It is now quite a day for local sport from your local team. This is Charlton Live. Cockney boys. So, very good evening to you, and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes. I'm the Chief Cockney here this evening. Uh, joining me, my fellow Cockney, Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, good. We've both effed off back down south. Yeah, we? so we're back. Didn't and uh, despite the. Uh, Request of the Rotherham fan. None of us had an accident on the way home. Unfortunately so, not. Yeah, no. So, sorry. So, sorry about that. Apologies to that particular Rotherham fan. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to find out uh, later on in the show. On tonight's show, we're going to look back at a really spectacular performance yesterday up at the New York Stadium. The Addicts travelled to South Yorkshire and came back with three points in hand, a two-nil victory over Rotherham United. Goals from big. Uh, friendly German Patrick Bauer uh, and of course Josh McGuinness in the second half secured those three points but more so than just the three points it was the the performance that, that really caught my eye it was certainly the sort of performance that and yeah, I, f- I think people probably say I'm 
more of a glass half empty than glass half full. But I watched that performance yesterday, and it's I, I'm certainly standing up and paying attention now. We were excellent on the road yesterday. So we're going to talk about that game. We're going to hear the highlights from that game in a few moments. We're going to hear, of course, from uh, Carl Robinson after after that game. Uh, our player in focus for this week, by the way, is Josh McGuinness. He got his second goal in two games uh, yesterday to secure the three points. He, uh, having got a bit of stick earlier on in the season after the Plymouth game, I want to know what you guys, uh, what your, your views are on him. Uh, so, so get those coming in. We're going to listen to the Rotherham ranter. Uh, which is something you want to hear. Uh, we're also going to talk to Gary Ganor, who's the manager of the Charlton Athletic Community Trust Invicta team, the new LGBT-friendly team uh, that, well, that's now been taken under the wing properly of the Charlton Athletic Community Trust. They were playing as Bexley Invicta beforehand, so we'll, we'll, we'll hear from Gary. Uh, quick mention for the, the women's team later, and we'll look ahead to Tuesday's Checker Trade tie with, uh, with Crawley later on in the show. Right, don't forget, like I say, we want to hear... Uh, everything that you guys have to offer this evening. We've had uh, a great result yesterday. We've also got uh, you know, look, our player in focus, Josh McGuinness. So if you want to uh, say anything to us, you can email us, studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at charltonlive or you can head over to the Charlton Live forum where you'll see the uh, the thread for tonight's show. Uh, but just before we, we listen back to those highlights, Mr. Wallin, uh, you you were there. You braved the uh, the fun bus up to Rotherham, yeah, uh, and a journey made worthwhile by that by that performance. A lot more worthwhile than the Plymouth trip was. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've I've been saying you know kind of tongue in cheek that we're going to win the league and it's going to be a stroll and you know we got nothing to fear. Um, and whilst it is slightly tongue in cheek, there is some truth behind my confidence because I I really believe we've got a team this year that. Ha- there's no reason why we can't finish in those top six places. Um, and the performance yesterday, was it? Yeah, yesterday was just proved that, really. Um, we'll talk about it more in detail. But as I said to you just before we went live, they weren't a, a particularly pleasing to watch side, but they were a difficult side to play against Rotherham. And I thought we handled them brilliantly at the back, took our chances at the other end. And in the end, the 2-0 victory was relatively comfortable um and definitely fully deserved oh yeah it couldn't have got uh, any more deserved but anyway before we before we actually get going let's have a listen back to the highlights of that game uh brought to you by um the cockneys <laughs> terry <laughs> smith and greg stubbley chip ball the giant should cut that out and does but he goes straight to cashy cashy runs back into trouble and more picks his pocket finds proctor more goes for the return into the penalty area more drags it back across it's proctor he must score oh and he doesn't and that, you've got to give Jake Forstakaski some credit for getting in the challenge in. It's a goal kick as well. And uh, it must have come back off more, which is why it squirmed past the left-hand post. He had to score there. Forstakaski from this near side is going to swing it out left-footed. In it comes. Deep one. Bowers at the back. And he gets ahead of there and it's gone it's in! in! It's gone all the way in. Jason Pearce was on the edge of the... By the goal post. Thought he might be the one touched it in, but he allowed the goal... To stand for Bauer, who got his head at the other side of the six-yard box, knocking the ball back across the six-yard box, and it went all the way into the bottom right-hand corner. Oh, that's a superb header from the big German. Managed to beat his man to the ball, and he just guided it towards that far corner. And I think the goalkeeper is expecting someone in front of him to get a touch. He dives sort of late, and he found that far corner. Great work from Bauer with the header. We talked about Rotherham's physicality going forward and how tall they are and how strong they are. Down the other ends, Patrick Barrow has shown great aggression to get to that ball. Lovely header, and Charlton have the lead after 15 minutes. Joe Newell over there, they're both standing over it. It's a left-footed or right-footed option. 
And it's actually Neil who chipped this in into a dangerous area. And it's a free header. And it's put wide from a J. What a glorious chance for Jay. I'm just stunned for words of how he's managed to miss that. Ben Amos was claiming a free kick against him. Nothing given. And Jay, the former addict, with a tightly free header from about five yards out, has managed to put it wide. And it's a huge letter for Charlton. Back to De Silva. De Silva. Jason to the penalty area finds Clark inside to Rover uh, inside to Holmes as Rotherham a pen back inside their own box. De Silva oh, back to Ricky Holmes. Shooting opportunity. Ricky oh, Holmes, great no. save from O'Donnell. It looked like it's just coming to that top right hand side. Holmes onto his right foot. It's a good save from a Rotherham goalkeeper, but Charlton have the corner. And Holmes had a bit of time if he wanted, but he knew it's the half-time whistle. So he clears forward and that is the half-time whistle here. Charlton still inside Rotherham's half. Cash goes to goal and his deflection might fall for Proctor. It's good strength from Solly. <laughs> Solly goes down the line for, for Holmes. Holmes keeps it on as Proctor's laying down on the ground. Holmes beats his man, crossing opportunity. Whips in towards the far post. Yeah! Is in. Get in. Charlton double their lead as Ricky Holmes passes towards the back post. And Josh McGuinness heads home. Charlton have their second. And Rotherham are furious. As Proctor lies down on the ground, it looks like quite a serious injury. Oh, needless to say, Charlton have their second. I mean, Chris, the challenge Chris Solly put in with Proctor was shoulder to shoulder, and the guy's about three foot taller than Chris Solly. How he can go down in a heap like that? I think he's he broke must his have, tell. <laughs> no, but he must have done his knee on, as he oh. fell to the ground because it certainly wasn't in the challenge. No, the, the, the challenge was fair from Solly. There's no doubt about that. But Charlton played Proctor, on. I can, oh, I, I can see his leg from here. Can you, Ricky Holmes? Oh, talk about the goal, did superbly well to beat his man. Chip ball, inch perfect above O'Donnell in the Rotherham goal for McGuinness just to nod it home comfortably. Just look at the body language of Jason Pierce. Just look at him now. He looks absolutely spent. And there is the final whistle. There you go. And I think that, that just that last bit there from Terry just sums up that 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 Charlton performance yesterday, really. Um, Jason Pierce would have been on his haunches. There was nine minutes of, of, of added time at the end of that second half after just an absolute battle of a game I mean you, you, we, we saw the performance last week against uh, against Northampton Town here where it was free flowing football and it was sexy football you know the type of football that gets punters through the doors at home games but when you go to an away ground a, a, a compact hostile crowd uh, up at the New York Stadium against two absolute lumps up front a battle in midfield a big big defense for, for Rotherham as well you have to play a different way and I mean I, I said at half time yesterday it was a proper test for Charlton and passed it with absolute flying colours. Definitely, yeah. I think the the most telling photo I saw after the game was when uh, Carl got Pierce, Bauer, and Amos together and just had a little chat to the three of them. And you'd see him do that on the pitch after the game because they were absolute warriors for Charlton yesterday. And you're right, it was. It's well, Carl said it himself. It was going to be a difficult place to go. Obviously, Rotherham haven't started brilliantly, but they got a, a, a fantastic win there in their last time out at home. Um, and as you say, the the big players up front, they were going to be hard work. It was obviously, we're kind of getting used to playing this 4-5-1 or 4-2-3-1 or whatever you want to call it. And they had a, just a traditional 4-4-2. And you could see why a lot of managers still favour that because those two big lumps, they, they work well together. And actually, you know, big lumps is a bit of a discredit to them because they were good with their feet as well. They were quick. They were a real handful. And I thought Bauer and Pierce handled them magnificently well. The um the the opening fifteen minutes uh, was a real test for us. You know when you when you go to an away uh, an away ground, especially one that you know 
like, like you say, Rotherham haven't started too well, but you'd expect them as a team that's come down and as you know, probably slightly bigger budgets than some of the other teams in this league, but certainly a decent team. Mm. Um, they they came at us for the first fifteen minutes, and uh, I mean they could have taken the lead, and, and we we had a bit of a big let off. So sometimes you know goals can change games, and perhaps we got a bit lucky with that early miss, but. You, you still have to ride it and, and you have to see out those first 15 minutes. And if we, we're we talking about the early miss here by Jamie Proctor, the player who ended up going off injured later on. It was Kiefer Moore, who'd actually, uh, uh, one of the players had dispossessed Cashy. You know, you don't see that too often, mm. sort of midway through the Charlton half. Uh, Kiefer Moore had got down the right-hand side, played the ball across, and it came to Proctor, who was slightly behind him. Uh, and he just couldn't get his feet organised before Forster Cassie came and put him off and still then he should have, he still should have scored he slipped over and, and played it just wide but I mean did you, did you put that down as a dreadful miss do you give some credit to Forster Cassie for coming back uh, both yeah um, Forster Cassie did amazingly well to get back and basically just sort of fall in front of him and put him off but uh, in spite of that if you're a, a player at that level you have to score you absolutely have to I mean we were obviously for, for those who weren't there we were as away fans sat behind that goal and uh, there was no way he could miss. No way at all. Even when Forster Kasky came in, because he kind of slid in the way, you think, you've got so much time. There was nobody else anywhere near him. Um, and then the ball took so... Considering he was on the edge of the six-yard box, the ball took so long to get from there wide of the post. And you heard it in the commentary there. There was such a long pause from, from Terry. Um, but yeah, it went wide, and not only wide, but a goal kick for Charlton. And it was a huge let-off. Um, and obviously, if that goes in, the game could have been very different. But... You, you can't go on what could have been. You go on what did happen uh, and it was a let off. And as you say, we rode that. We rode our luck there, but we sorted it out and we got more and more compact and handled them a lot better as the game went on. It's ironic that after 15 minutes, we go ahead from a, a set piece because during the week on Thursday when Carl had his press conference here at the Valley, he said uh, that Rotherham will have a distinct advantage because Richie Barker, his mm. former assistant here and at MK Dons, is obviously now at Rotherham and he says he knows all my tactics and he knows all my set pieces. So when that corner goes over and Bauer wins the header, obviously that's very pleasing. Although Carl, in his post-match larger press conference, did uh, give the credit to Johnny Jackson and said that was one of his set pieces yeah. uh, that he's been working on this week. But it's such a vital time to score as well after we'd, we'd soaked up that difficult 15 minutes. Yeah, I don't remember. We had the Ricky Holmes free kick, I think, before was that. It, yeah, Foster Kasky free sorry, kick. Sorry, Foster Kasky. Yeah. But aside from that, we hadn't really made too much headway into their half. And I think in one of the interviews Carl mentions about it was a a purposeful tactic to put all of our crosses into the back post because their defenders tended to defend a little square and you could see it then the ball went over them and they all kind of turned round and there was Barrow at the back ready and waiting I mean it was a perfect ball in from Forster Caskews started the season really really well um, and a good header and it was just in the right place because there was not a huge amount of power he had to go back head the ball back the way it had come but it was just perfectly in the corner and the keeper scrambling across couldn't get to it and as you say I think if we're being honest, Rotherham probably had the better of the early chances, not just that one we talked about, but they were looking a bit more dangerous for those first 15 minutes and then we kind of silenced them. I mean, the crowd were pretty quiet anyway, but silenced the, the team and put ourselves ahead and that was the most important thing because, as I say, having been at Plymouth, the problem was that we didn't take our chances um, because we had three or four in that first half there and just couldn't do it. Uh, and if we had, that would have been a far more comfortable victory than the one was yesterday. But um, we got our goal and didn't really look back from there. Now, as as, as the half progressed, um, Rotherham missed a huge opportunity uh, on, on, on the half-hour mark. As a former Charlton trainee, uh, Semi Ajayi, 
uh, who's playing in, in the centre of defence. He was with the Addicts five or six years ago and then left us to go to Arsenal before he played a first team uh, appearance, I think. Uh, but yeah, he, the, the corner came over to him. Now I was just I was looking back at this because there, there, there was one player that we do we certainly um, stand out for praise yesterday. And that was pa- Paddy Bauer. Mm. Uh, but just looking back, he, he was he was the one who just got out muscled at this one. So possibly slightly let off, but he, he just got out muscled as the, as the corner came over, uh, and the Jays missed the target there. And that was the diff- ironically that was the difference between us and them is that when Bauer got his chance, he planted that firm header in, in at the far post. Yeah, definitely, and it's another missed opportunity for them it's another thing that could have gone against us you know they stick that in it's a different game but again they didn't um you're right it was one of very very few mistakes Bauer made all game um but he was out muscled it was a great leap uh, and it was a, a great header he had loads of power behind it it was just misdirected and it, it was another let off um but as I say things have to go your way and you can only take what's what's put in front of you and they put it wide and you know, we didn't then start to panic and think, right, they're getting back into this game. We kept our shape, we kept our game, and uh, it, it continued to pay off. And as obviously went in one nil up. Yeah, we had that. It could have been two as well because Ricky Holmes had that chance pretty much mm. two or three minutes before the break, where he, he sort of fired away from from the edge of the box and as well saved by Donald in in the goal. Now, as the second half started. I mean, at the start of that second half, you're thinking we're going to be in for a long 45 minutes here, aren't you? Because because of the way they've played, and especially when it was one 0 you think this 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 could be quite a challenge coming up. Yeah, I remember I was uh, sort of went in and got a drink and whatever at half time, and I very nearly tweeted saying we need a second goal to make this comfortable. And I thought, no, that's such a cliche to say that. I'm not <laughs> going to say that, but that is what I was thinking. I was thinking we are only one nil up. They have had these little half chances. On the whole, we're restricting them to to set pieces and crosses, which obviously is going to be their game anyway, given who they had up front. But I don't know, a, a part of me just didn't seem too worried with, with Bauer and Pierce there because they just seemed to be handling everything. I thought Amos was commanding his box pretty well. Um, it was funny in the in the warm-up, he let a ball slip under his body um, and he, a few of the crowd sort of turned around and uh, he turned around to a couple of them and said, oh, get it out of the way now. And <laughs> you know, balls on him to say that because he has made these mistakes and he's come in for criticism in the early stages of his career with us. But I thought he did well as well. Um, And yeah, whilst I didn't tweet it, I did feel let's just go out and let's keep playing the way we're going and aim for that second goal. Because if we start to sit back, they're going to impose themselves. And when they start pressing high, that's when we're in trouble. But Luckily, we came out and continued really from where we'd left off in the first half, and that was important. Yeah, because there was there was another moment that possibly highlighted the difference between the two teams yesterday in terms of how clinical we both were, which was just exactly on the hour. Kiefer Moore broke away down our left, uh, sort of in, in the corner of the penalty area, and he's got Jamie Proctor in the middle of the in the middle on the edge of the box screaming for it, but instead he's gone for go easy for Amos, um, and, and if he had squared to Proctor, that would have been one all. And I mean, if, if that that chance goes amiss, and then five six minutes later, it was controversial, but we we score our second goal, and just the, the time of that goal, I mean, it, it got to all of us. You, you would have heard it on, on Greg and Terry's commentary there, so it was it was a relief as well as, you know, a, a great a great goal for us, a big goal to move us two ahead. But I think just the timing of it was was probably perfect as well, just similar to the first half. Um, it just took a, a little bit of sting out of Rotherham, and it gave us that two goal cushion. Yeah, um, you're, you're right. It just came at the right time, and again from another chance that they maybe not should have scored but if he had squared it it would have been a much easier chance than than taking it on himself um as you say we go up the other end it seemed like I've watched it back two or three times it seems like a fairly innocuous coming together with Solly it must just be the way he's landed because he was obviously in a, in a lot of pain but 
the Charlton players have done nothing wrong. It's up to the referee to stop it. And I, I believe the rule still is, unless it's a head injury, he doesn't have to. Um, Charlton players played on, kept their heads. Uh, it was a great ball in again. And, and there was Josh McGuinness at the back post. The keeper come, had come to the near post and it went all the way over him. And there was Josh McGuinness at the back post and he really couldn't miss. I mean, that was just too close. And yeah, uh, yeah there you go, 2-0. Yeah. And that really settled everybody down, I think. Yeah, but the, the, uh, it certainly frustrated the crowd. I mean, originally, like you say, the, the challenge for me when I watched it, it was a 50-50 shoulders, nothing wrong with the challenge. Um, and now and then it's up to us. I think apparently someone said Jake Forster Caskey was saying get it out of play. He looks like he's in pain here, but you're under no you know rule rule book that says you have to do that. Um, the play the Charlton players who weren't right near it wouldn't really have known what was going on anyway. Mm. Um, to, to further enrage the crowd, as as the ball went out wide to Ricky Holmes, he controlled it right on the line. I, I was right. I, we were sat right there. We could tell it didn't go out. But if you're a fan, you're going to yeah. get wound up by that anyway. So uh, then, so I imagine they were getting a bit of stick when that happened as well. And then Holmes has floated a delicious ball. And when the cross started going over, it's just it was it was pinpoint accurate. But because it was so pinpoint, it's such a fine margin that I thought the keeper was going to get it, mm. or I thought a J behind him was going to get it. So when it went all the way through to McGuinness, it was a bit of a shock. And that's, it was actually really good composure to finish because, like I say, with the keeper with his arm up and, and, the, and the big central defender there, for McGuinness just to con- concentrate on the ball and to nod that home from a couple of yards, I think that's actually a much harder chance than it looked. Yeah, definitely. I was about, I don't know, I was on the front row, so I was about five yards behind it. So I saw the ball come across and you could see, proper see in the keeper's eyes, he knew he was going to have to start stepping back and he reached his hand out and from where I was, you could tell it was going to go over him. And as you say, there was then this massive centre-back in front of him and that was where I was a bit like, oh, is he, is he not? And uh, as you say, so much composure because for McGuinness, it it felt like as a Charlton fan sitting behind the goal that those other players just disappeared and McGuinness was on his own a yard out and all he had to do was steer it into an empty net. And that all comes down to his composure because he just looked up and just leapt up and just glanced it in and then to add insult to injury jogs over to Ricky Holmes who happens to be right in front of the Rotherham fans <laughs> and they have their celebration over there um, which obviously again made them even more distressed mm. but well, you, um, yeah you, lovely finish you guys won't have seen uh, I mean like we'll come on to the the, the ranter in a few moments time mm. and there's a few there's a few tweets that have come in as well but um, which we'll come on to but like when that cross went over I mean I've sat, I've sat in that particular seat now at Rotherham for three, three games now over the course of the years. And I just happen to know that the crowd in that bit of the, of the stand is very vocal. They're behind our manager. They're, uh, they're very vocal. They're very aggressive. Um, and I also know that Ricky Holmes loves it, as does Ahmed Kashi, it turns out. <laughs> I mean, because, so when you guys would have been celebrating the goal and watching McGuinness run behind the goal, my eyes were, went straight to Ricky Holmes where the cross had come over because another player had gone to congratulate him for a great cross. Uh, and Ricky Holmes was just turned around to the crowd and was proper, come on, <laughs> having it. And then Cashy comes in with the arms everywhere as well. Like they, they were properly rubbing it in, you know. And I've never really been against that. I mean, it's annoying when it happens to you, but when it happens, you know, when, when it's your players doing it to someone else, it's really funny. Yeah, if you and give, I, I think if you give it, you've got to be able to take yeah, it exactly. And, and um, yeah, I think I just think on the whole their crowd was pretty quiet um didn't didn't really hear a lot but you could tell and obviously we're going to come on to a couple of individuals in particular Mm. but obviously because I get there and I occasionally commentate and I know you guys I looked up to the press pit to see where you were and you could see a couple of people near you constantly looking over and it looked like from where we were they were shouting abuse obviously I didn't find out about this guy till after 
but that that part of the crowd in particular did seem a bit hostile. I say we've had it we've had it there before. Yeah, um, and I, I wasn't shocked at all. But it's one of those ones. I mean, I, I'm a professional, as as you as I'm, I'm sure you can all tell. Um, but when that second goal went in, uh, just because of the time and just the the release of. Um, you know, it, it was a release of relief, I guess. Mm. I, I properly went, yes, like out loud. And, and I'm sure that rolled them up along with, you know, Greg and Terry comment, just commentating. They were commentating how yeah. they should do. Yeah. Uh, and, and that obviously didn't help. Now, uh, we'll, we'll, like I say, we'll come on to the, the, what happened then in a few moments' time. Uh, but uh, the, the the game wasn't over then. I mean, that was that was with well, 22 <laughs> minutes left of normal yeah. time. There was, there was still nine minutes of injury time. I mean, like, in fairness, in the, in the injury time, nothing happened. But mm. that last 20, 22 minutes, they still had a go, Rotherham, and they were plucking this is when they started to put probably under the most pressure they had during the game in terms of getting the ball into the box but I mean if ever you needed your goalkeeper to stand up and take some crosses and take some some corners then that was it and that was exactly what Ben Amos did he did it last week here against Bristol Rovers relieved the pressure a couple of times but three three times that ball came in to the to the box in that second half from a corner and he punched it away Uh, there was one really good one in the first half as well I think from a deep cross rather than a a corner Uh, but three times he did that punched it away and the, the only real saves he had to make was when if the ball fell to a jay from a corner in that second half and he stood up to it um you know when, when you need you know when it does when you're under that amount of pressure every now and then they are going to get across into the box or an effort and goal and you need your goalkeeper to stand up uh and for the second week run and he's done it superbly yeah i think uh up until that mcginnis goal that was probably the only part of the game that was a bit more uh almost like a basketball match it was very you know, each team attacking, attacking, attacking. We got that goal. We two nil lead to protect now. As you say, they then started to pile that pressure on, and that was at the time you think, right? There's fifteen, twenty minutes left. If they get one goal, how are we going to react to that? You know, Carl didn't look like he was going to be making any subs anytime soon. They started getting the crosses in, and as you say, Ben Amos, who you know we've given him a little bit of criticism. Uh, I think I said I wanted him to to grow into the shirt, and and I wanted to give him time. Um, but you know, I wasn't hugely confident, uh, and he was just magnificent. It, just every ball that came into that box, if if it wasn't him claiming it himself, he was shouting and directing those those two centre backs. And as you say, there were three massive crosses where he came in, and actually watching him warm up in the first hour, uh, sorry, before the game, we'd seen him practice punching deep crosses, so he clearly knew that that was going to be a tactic. But. Uh, yeah, he was fantastic because it's not easy to do under that amount of pressure, I can imagine, and, and he handled himself so well. It was weird when the uh, the fourth official's board went up for nine minutes. Now, normally, when it's nine minutes, even at a two-goal lead, you'd think, oh, mm. I'm not sure about this. But I, I think I that's did... Cardiff when yeah. we were, what, five, two up? Were we? Yeah, exactly, yeah, and they scored twice. But with, with this nine minutes, I just felt so calm. Um, I was just thinking, oh, God. There's nine minutes extra work we've got to do here because I, honestly, I never, I never thought we were going to concede yesterday. No, oh. and that's and that's what I think I said at the start of the show. I just, I just felt so comfortable in those three, and we got through those early stages, and they had a couple of chances that they maybe should have put away and didn't. And then after that, I just felt like Pierce and Bauer were just never going to miss anything all day. It felt like they could have played for an extra hour, and, and Rotherham wouldn't have been able to score. And it was just so reassuring because whilst we do look at a threat going forward as we say Amos had, had spilt that shot or let that shot go under him at Plymouth he hadn't looked particularly confident we know okay more text than those two but we know we've had issues from set pieces what going back for years now um, De Silva and Solly are, are fairly small although they're good in the air so again against big players that's difficult 
I think our formation as well, sometimes when Holmes and Fosu get forward, exposes our fullbacks a little bit, um, which aids Rotherham's ability to be able to get those crosses in. And despite all of that, we stood up to him and, and completely matched him. And as you say, I was completely calm as well. The one thing I, I didn't ever expect us to lose that game or even draw it, I just didn't want them to lose that clean sheet because they deserved it so much. And that was all I cared about for that last 10 minutes was making sure they held on to that nil because, as I say, as a, as a keeper and a back four, they fully deserved it. When the, the final whistle went, uh, it was a nice scenes in, in the away end and, and the Robinson getting the team all together on the pitch again and then, and then taking them over to the away end. Um, that sort of unity in the squad that we haven't seen over the last few years. You just mm. hope you're just hoping it's coming together now, and it, is, it does seem from the outside that everyone seems happier and 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 more together. Yeah, and uh, the crowd. I don't know. There was 500 odd there, but it it seemed to me. Obviously, I'm in the crowd, so you don't know how it comes across the rest of the ground. But it seemed very very loud for such a small group. And uh, yeah, right behind the team. And as you say, then the team to come over. Obviously, it's what you want players to do, but. For Arsenal fans today, I'm sure they won't have seen a huge amount of their players go over and obviously in defeat. But even at Plymouth, the players came over and did clap. And again, they did. And that punch in the air that Robinson put up at the end, I know he's a bit of a character and he likes to make a big a big show of things. But you could tell how much that meant to him as well, because as that guy who emailed in, I think for Thursday's show said, you know, our away record in 2017 has been poor. Um, but this season, we, we've beaten Exeter, OK, in, in a cup. We've beaten... Uh, Rotherham we probably should have beaten Plymouth uh, and Norwich we went 1-0 up and, and held them for a long time until Josh Murphy kind of bossed the show and they're a league above so I it gives me a lot of confidence um, obviously we're going to Oldham who I don't think have even got a point have they next weekend so in a weird way that's a different sort of test because that's the sort of game that a classic Charlton side would then throw away but if we can go there and impose ourselves on them and continue what's been a good good run of form I think the form table including last season's, what, six wins and a loss, then, you know, we're getting into September and we're starting to make a bit of a statement. It's still very early days, but I, I've got a lot of confidence at the moment. Um, we've obviously going to hear from Carl Robinson uh, in a few moments' time. We've got plenty of tweets that have come in in the opening uh, 25 minutes, half an hour of the show. Uh, first one's from Dan. says, I uh, wasn't too short on Bauer, but these last two games he has really showed he can stand up to some big strikers. Amos is looking good too. Now, um, I, I, I certainly mentioned on Twitter during pre-season when I think Bauer had a little slip during the, one of the Irish games that we were watching on YouTube. Um, and uh, I, I sort of tweeted, and, and I felt last season he got caught out of position way too many times. Got sent, he's got sent off two or three times over his Charlton career. Now, like so I mentioned earlier, he did have that slip from the corner yesterday, where where he let a Jay get get a mark on him and get a header. But other than that, I thought he was he's been pretty perfect so far this year. He hasn't made the mistakes in, in anywhere near the amount that I've uh, accused him of. And um, you know how much of that is down to having a reliable partner next to him, good communication skills. How much of that is down to coaching confidence? wanting to be here a bit more, who knows? But he, he certainly seems to have improved for me uh, in the early stage of this season. Two goals as well, which he, yeah, yeah, he was always nice Obviously, to see. Obviously, that's going to build his confidence as well. Um, I think it's a combination of all those things. I think him and Pierce have started to build an understanding now. Um, I think also he's got that confidence that he appears to be first choice, um, which I think last season he didn't always have. Uh, and kind of almost contradictory to that, he's got two players in Saar and Konza that could push him and make him perform to perform to his best. I think in in past seasons, you know, the likes of Lennon and the likes of Teixeira, on the one hand, I don't think any of them were necessarily a, a guaranteed starter, but on the other hand, they were constantly rotating and didn't really 
have to push each other and I don't think anyone really knew their position or their place. I think this year, Pierce is obviously going to start um, and Bauer seems to be the one next to him and I think between them, they just that leadership's there. Uh, I think Amos, as I say, from, from yesterday and from sitting behind the goal in the first half, you could hear him talking to them the whole game. I just think there's a a good little unit there um, and they talked about it a lot in Ireland as well the unit uh, you know the group as a whole seemed to be a lot more close-knit um, it's probably not quite what it was that season under Powell but you know if they are really on you know that good understanding then then that does make a difference and, and you can see that in the games and as you say I think Bauer you know he's had one or two little slips but on the whole he's been he's been very very good so far we've had um, I think we've had an unchanged back four throughout the whole season I'm trying to think I don't think any of them have have come yeah, out yet so. have they so how, how much more can that add as well exactly yeah and just some consistency as I say if those two know they're starting every week but at the same time they know Saar who for all of his faults previously has been good so far this season and Konza are pushing them and obviously Lennon's still to come back although I don't know how much first team action he'll see it's going to give them a confidence because they're playing every week but b it's going to give them right i need to perform well because if i don't my place is up for grabs so i think those four just look they just look so solid silver the silver's come back in and looks the same player that he was last year which is encouraging solly well robinson said he's the best right back in the league he's definitely the most reliable right back in the league because he i don't think he's put a foot wrong in about 10 years here <laughs> um and yeah as you say and then they've just got cashy who I said at one point yesterday was so desperate for Amos to roll him out but had their their captain pressing him that he came and stood right next to Amos which basically would have made the rollout pointless but that that protection in front of that back four as well just that added shield gives Bauer a little bit of breathing space and it just it, the formation for all of I was one big critic of this I wanted us to play 4-4-2 last season because I thought we had the players to do it but the the players that we've got now this 4-2-3-1 does seem to work in their favour and Clearly it is because we're getting the results. Cool. Right. Caught up with uh, Carl Robinson yesterday. Uh, I was a bit gushing after the performance. I was, uh, I was, I was very impressed. Uh, and I'll let Carl know as well. But he was, he was in a buoyant mood after yesterday's 2-0 win at Rotherham. Carl, a really dogged 2-0 win at Rotherham today. I thought your team were, were excellent. Yeah, listen, I'm really pleased of, of the way they performed today. Um, I just... Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could have asked any more from the players. I think they didn't do a sensation and then the desire and application towards the game and the fans supported that as well. So uh, you can see they got a bit, a bit overexcited at the end. Um, but I love winning and I play my players love winning. Sometimes we frustrate the opposition fans because we, we, we love it so much that you were behind us. We got a lot of stick today. Um, but that means that we're doing something good. Yeah, we, spoke, we spoke to Chris Solly after the opening game win against Bristol Rovers where you won with 10 men. Uh, and he said that your team can battle they can battle or they can out-football anyone was this sort of battling today performance? Yeah, listen, to be successful you've got to be able to, to cope with every side of the game and every eventuality of the game it's, not, it's OK be looking pretty at home and playing wonderful football but equally you've got to also play in games like this where it's going to be a fight and a dogged fight and, and the players stood up to all the count every, every question has been thrown at the players this year certainly stuff from being counted maybe the Plymouth game a little bit indisciplined in some of our play then, but since then we've worked on that and we've tried to, to, try to rectify that so every time something goes wrong we've really back and to win two games on the spin at any level is, is very very difficult and hopefully that can set the benchmark now and go on to win more football matches The home team came out in the opening 15 minutes and tried we to put you that. under a bit of pressure and, so I guess the, the timing of your first goal was, was important Yeah we well. knew that Listen, we worked all week on, on, on very little space between lines and being aggressive in certain aspects of zones and our zones we flooded areas very very well and, it's, it's, it's something that we, we knew it wasn't 
it wasn't something that overly surprised me. I knew, I knew the first 15 minutes of both halves were going to be very vital to our, our success. Um, and sometimes when they are aggressive in the way they're playing, you have to sometimes forget about your principles and you've got to sometimes just respect their strengths. And by respecting their strengths, we knew then our qualities would then override the second phases of most halves. Um, and that was certainly the case. That was the game plan and the players carried out wonderfully well. Your back four and, and your goalkeeper, Ben Amos, stood, stood up to everything that was thrown at them today. Yeah, the men. I'm so proud of them. Just happy that they played the way they did and, and hopefully we can now build this on this team and move forward. Um, talk about building the team. Obviously, there's, there's still a week of the, of the transfer window. You're probably getting bored of being asked the yeah. question now, but you know, is, is there any further update you can give Charlton fans? Um, not at the moment, no. We're, uh, like I say, if anything moves away from here, we'll have to act very quickly. We've had one or two things that haven't really materialised, but we've pushed hard and aggressive. Um, I don't think we can be more aggressive. We're never going to let people know who they are because the people that we dealt with have asked for that to keep the way it has. So we uh, we don't want to upset the apple cart at other clubs and be disrespectful to them. We want to make sure, like I said, don't like hanging your washing out, but it's important people knew that we're being aggressive. You can see I'm an aggressive type of person anyway, so I'm, a, I'm a, trying to be aggressive in everything that we do. I just hope the fans are proud again. That's it. That's all we do our job for, really, is the fact that to make people a little bit proud of what we're trying to achieve together. And, and the fans who came, thank you. The fans who were obviously listening in at home, thank you for the constant support. And hopefully we can keep performing to the best of our ability and making them happy. And now you got the Checker Trade trophy against Crawley on Tuesday. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing quite a few changes will be yeah, likely for this yeah, one. Yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Is, it, is it a competition you care for? Is it well, I've won it at, with uh, an assistant with, with MK, so... The euphoria of Wembley is on the you'll never get over that. Do you know what I mean? It'd be a great opportunity for us to get to Wembley because we'll certainly sell 40,000 tickets at Wembley. That won't be a problem at our club. Um, so that'd be nice, but not until if we win games through certain aspects of having to change it. We'll take it serious in the last two or three games when we're getting closer to Wembley because then obviously then there's a, there's a point behind it. But right now, our main objective is, is getting out this league and, and that's got to be our sole aim. We've got to get our players ready for now for next Saturday, another away game. Four away games on the spin is very hard, and uh, I've got to get our players ready for another very difficult tax up in Manchester, up back in the northwest this time next week. And you're going to be down two players there on international duty as well, with McGuinness and De Silva, so it makes it yeah. a little bit more difficult. 100%, but we'll have to work on that all week. Well done today. Cheers, mate, thank you. Live. Talking about to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. That was Carl Robinson speaking to myself after yesterday's uh, excellent 2 0 win up at um, Rotherham. Rotherham. There we go. Yeah, I'll try, desperately trying You're to welcome. forget the place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just thinking there while, uh, while while the interview was playing um, uh, about Carl Robinson, where, where Carl Robinson's managed before, and I just wonder because you mentioned how he was the assistant manager there, and I was thinking oh, he obviously got made manager there. I'm just thinking like if you you sort of the, the sort of club that MK Dons are, you know, a pretty despised club by by most people, and um, uh, you know, n- not liked amongst the football world, and um, and the way he, I think he his management style helps to create a definitely definitely creates a, a them against us attitude, the whole world's against us, that sort of thing. And I just wonder if he has slightly employed a bit of that here at Charlton because obviously he's, he's come into a you know a club that's you know even by its own fans pretty pretty un- unliked perhaps or maybe maybe not the right word but you know mistrusted at the moment and mm. he seems to have turned that around. He, he, he seems to have got people on a lot of fans on side now. Obviously the, the winning football's held, but. Um, the, the things like the 
banter with the other team's fans and winding them up, which which he did a fair bit of yesterday. I mean, when when he was going off after the game, he was giving it the two nils to the fans with his fingers as he was walking down, uh, laughing at fans during the game who were shouting at him. I mean, it, all this sort of thing that it makes you know makes the other teams all hate Charlton, and then all the fans are thinking, "Well, I'm with Charlton. I, I want Charlton to win." That sort of mentality. I don't know if he does it on purpose, but it, it seems it seems to work for me. Mm, I th- I think he does. I think uh, he deserves a lot of credit because. Uh, the, the ownership are still the same. Um, those issues, I'm sure, are still around. Uh, and as we've discussed before, there are plenty of people who uh, are not going to see past those issues, which is completely fine. Um, what he's managed to do, uh, perhaps with, with their help as well, is kind of distance that from the football on the pitch. Uh, and of course, results are helping that. But he, I think he's taking a lot of the pressure onto himself. He's He seems to be very honest um he's certainly very open and it, he'll say what he thinks uh, and that attitude you're right it does help if he was managing somebody else it, it would be the sort of thing that we we don't like and in fact i think when he when he took the job it was one of the things that we picked up on and said we didn't like about him um you know the the blaming referees the looking for any excuse that sort of thing but here he he is building up that culture and the most important thing if we are going to go up this season is the connection between the manager, the players and the fans in that sort of triangle. So manager to players, manager to fans and whatever, all together. And at the moment, they do all seem to do that. I think the additional benefit of having Boya and Jackson, um, particularly Johnny Jackson, who you know people are singing his name throughout games as well, is just a, a great asset to have. Um, and when you look back over the last what two or three years you you look at some of the names Bob Peters and Carol Fry and Guy Luzon how one we never really had a chance to get to know them and two if they had been here any longer how much of a relationship could we could we have with them not just because of the language barrier but because she didn't didn't really know anything about them and, and Carl's so open and honest that you just get that chance to do that um and I think that is a big difference. The, the only one we ever really had since power was Jose Riga, um, who did sort of build up a little bit of rapport with the fans. But again, it wasn't really here long enough to do it. And I think he's building a, a culture and an ethos. Um, and whether you like it or not, it, it's definitely happening. And, and it seems to be paying off so far. Right, I've had plenty of tweets and emails in. Don't forget, our player in focus this evening is Josh McGuinness. Um, I, I want to know what you guys think about Josh, because obviously uh, he came in for a bit of stick after the, the 2-0 defeat at Plymouth, where uh, he, he let a couple of chances slip by. Uh, but he's back on the goal trail now, two goals in two. Don't forget, he got 10 in a sort of an injury-disrupted uh, season last season. So I want to think if, I want to know if you guys think he's, he's, he can be our main... Is he our main guy to, to fire us to promotion this year? You know, this looks likely that he will continue to be our main striker, which is, you know, nothing wrong with that. But do you think he's, he's up there and good enough to fire us to promotion? You know, I want to know what you guys think. Because like I say, he got, uh, he got some stick a couple of weeks ago, but now, now he's back in, in and amongst the goals and looking back to his, uh, his best. So let us know. You can tweet us at Charlton Live, email us studio. Uh, at charltonlive.co.uk but there's plenty of tweets from yesterday's game I'm not reading them all out in order that they've come to because I'm trying to save uh, ones about the Rotherham ranter for when we're going to talk about him <laughs> but um, uh, this one is for um, uh, is from Lewis Wheeler uh, it says I was there yesterday and I felt except for the Proctor chance and the free header we were pretty comfortable even when the nine minutes added time came up I feel there wasn't many groans from our end as it seemed to me that we weren't going to concede and they didn't cause us many problems uh, and the last 20 minutes we shut down 
the game superbly. I mean, obviously, like, like I said, I think they, they they did get a few corners and crosses in the last twenty minutes, but that 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 could add to the pressure if it wasn't for Ben Amos doing so well to to get them clear. Uh, but it just reiterates what we said. Like even in that battle, it is that that battle. But we came out on top to the extent that we did feel quite comfortable throughout. Like especially after we got that second goal. Yeah, uh, you're completely right. I think we were, as we've both said, we just we just felt so comfortable, and that was down to it was down to Ben Amos, um, it was down to Pierce, it was down to Bauer, and it was also let's not forget the likes of Ricky Holmes, who when we did then get it clear were persisting and, and harrying how many times did they have the ball on the halfway line and be forced to go back to their keeper because of the hard work of even Novak when he came on and McGuinness just every single player put a shift in yesterday and and again that's what we come back to what I was talking about a few minutes ago that unity in the squad they're they're all willing to help each other out and they're all happy for each other when when good things happen and you know yes Bauer and McGuinness were the goal scorers yesterday but every single player came out of yesterday's game with credit and and yeah, we did. We restricted them to very little and, and never really felt worried by them. Sebo says, when Revo and Marsh come back, uh, whoever loses their place will be unlucky as the players playing at the moment don't deserve to lose their place. I and mean, that's what you, you don't you don't forget it because you know, you, you know they're there in the background. I think we're going to see Reeves on uh, Crawley, at least in the squad on, on Tuesday. Uh, but there's two you know, high quality players to, to still come into that attacking free uh, position. And that can, I mean, that that's what adds to the fact that people are, uh, looking at this season a bit differently is that in almost all parts of the squad we've got that um, backup that we need now the goalkeeper position is one that's still been talked about um, yesterday Carl uh, mentioned that um, you know that Dylan Phillips knows he's tried to bring someone in to get so Dylan could go out on loan but if not you know he's not going to bring someone in who's not going to be as good as Dylan and we all know that Dylan Phillips is a decent goalkeeper so it's, mm. it made it sound like it's a possibility now that Dylan's not going to get out on loan so he's going to be our backup. Uh, he confirmed that David Martin is not with the club anymore. He was training with us, the, the yeah. former Milton Keynes goalkeeper. So we've got the goalkeeper position and then obviously we've still got the striker position. Uh, mentioned it to Carl there and he sort of explained you know there's the, the, obviously no further updates. He, he wanted to make it clear that he, they, they've been trying but obviously uh, obviously nothing's coming through at the moment so there's just those two positions now really that I think you know, as we've been saying for the last few weeks we're, we're just not quite there yet mm. yeah I uh, will come on to talk about the strikers more I'm sure when we talk more about Josh McGuinness um, I think we've said we made it clear we would like another striker to come in I think if we don't get a keeper in I think uh, Dylan Phillips is more than capable of being an understudy to uh, to Amos um, I'd still like to see someone there for Cashy and Forster Kasky. Uh, I know Crofts is around and I know I've got my opinions of Crofts, but even if you think he's a, an able deputy, that's still only one person there for two positions. And aside from that, as you say, I think we've got strength. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The numbers, the guy on the coach yesterday, the guy I was sitting next to coming back was really looking forward to seeing Marshall coming back and 
you kind of forget about him and he's going to be a, an extra player that we've got coming into that that front line, which is obviously exciting. Um, the likes of Lewis Page can come in when De Silva's uh, struggling. So there is a lot of cover in a lot of places. And I think whilst I, I'm largely glad we're out of the League Cup because you know it was a distraction we didn't want, perhaps the checker trade with even less pressure on that is a real opportunity. I know there's a certain amount of players we've got to play, but a real opportunity for those other players to still get some game time in. And, and we're going to need players like that because... The whole squad isn't, or sorry, the whole first eleven isn't. First of all, isn't going to be able to play Saturday, Tuesday every week, and secondly, is not going to stay fit and injury-free all season. However much we want them to, and those other players need to be ready to come in and do a job. And as I say, the the unity in the squad and the the bond that they all seem to have, hopefully, will assist that because they'll want to come in and help their mates out. But also, that quality that we've got there is okay, not like for like, but it's a lot better than the backup has been in recent years. Excellent stuff. Right, I've got an email uh, from Chris Devon. Uh, good evening, Chris. He says, uh, it's 6.32 on Sunday morning. I've just finished watching Mayweather versus McGregor. I haven't slept for 24 hours, but still on a high uh, from our performance at Rotherham. Decided to go to the game on Friday evening. Glad I did. It was an excellent performance from the team. Couldn't pick a man in the matches. Everyone performed well from Ben Amos to big Josh McGuinness. The 500 fans who travelled up sang throughout the 90 minutes. Uh, although I couldn't join in the Robinson's Red Army chance, that's just a step too far. Uh, definite controversy over our second goal. Thought it was no foul by Solly, so the ref was right to play on. <coughs> Excuse me, but the Rotherham player was clearly distressed. Uh, you can see on the TV highlights, Foster Kasky as well, uh, as the Rotherham players saying uh, for the ball to be kicked out. We didn't play on. Uh, uh, we didn't. We played on and we scored. If that had been the other way around, you never would have heard the end of it from Robinson. Anyway, a great day out. A great day out. Well done, lads. Uh, special mention to the BFG for another goal. That's an email from Chris. I mean, he mentioned that. So the goal. I mean, we talked about the goal and we've agreed it was probably fair enough. If it was the other way around, would you have complaints? I'd be fuming, yeah. I'd be on this show saying they should have put it out and blah, 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 blah. I probably would also say I know it's the rules um, and I'd accept that. Uh, I'd like to think of myself as a fairly rational football fan. Um, but no, I'd be, obviously be furious if it happens to you, but that is the laws of the game. Um, we've not done anything wrong. Yes, it's frustrating for them and obviously we wish, uh, is it Proctor that got injured? We wish him well with his recovery and, and hope it's not as serious as it first looked. But we played on we played to the whistle we did what we were supposed to do it's Trevor Kettle wasn't it so you can't expect him to get everything right um and that's the way the game goes sometimes excellent stuff right um he also uh he also mentioned that like I said that the second goal for for uh for Patrick Bauer I mean how, how important are goals from uh from defense for us I mean it's not we we, we talked about because we because we plan a posi- uh, a formation with only one striker I mean it's goals in the midfield or the attacking three behind the striker are important but it's, it's, the, a goal from defense always helps isn't it yeah and again I don't want to compare us too much to to one season in the past in particular but Players like Morrison and and Taylor and even Leon Court, you know, how many goals did they get? They just popped up at at certain times. And even Tex over the last few years, to be fair, when it, I don't know how long has he been here, two years before he went? He just seemed to get five or six each season. So it's vitally important. And as you say, because we've only got that one player up front, we're going to need goals from all areas of the team. And Ricky Holmes has started. Forster Kasky's got a couple. Haven't seen anything from, from Clark or or uh, Fosu yet um, and obviously Reeves and Marshall when they're back fit they're going to need to put their fair share in as well 
Um, but if from a corner our defenders are able to get some, then that's just an added bonus. Hmm. Uh, Matthias says, uh, brilliant win. Yes, I'm loving the characters in the squad, such as Pierce uh, and Ricky Holmes. He says, what's happening with Lewis Page? Well, last I've heard, I think he last I heard he was expected to be out until October. Uh, with his injury, got he got an injury towards the end of last season. It's certainly, I think there was a reoccurrence possibly during summer, uh, but he's still struggling with that. Um, I mean, he's a player who, who still hasn't hasn't at all had had an opportunity to prove himself, has he? Not really, no. And it's it must be frustrating for him, obviously, as a young player to have to suffer this injury and then to see De Silva come in and perform so well. But as I say, we we'll need him at some point. I guarantee it. You know, um, De Silva particularly with his England call ups and stuff. I know Jacko can play there as well, but it's a good opportunity for, for Page to come in. So he's going to get his opportunities. It is frustrating for him, but he's got to prove himself when he comes on and show that he can do the job. Right, throughout the show, and uh, we've hinted at it, mentioned it, talked about it, uh, there was an incident, an unsavoury incident uh, in the press box uh, area uh, after uh, after the second goal of yesterday's game. Now, I mentioned earlier on, I've been to Rotherham before, and I mean... Uh, we I go to grounds up and down the country, and where the, the work we do, we always end up sitting in the home fans, and not, it's very rarely a problem. I think I remember Ollie being uh, someone shouting at him at Sheffield Wednesday away once. Ollie Groom, uh, when we'd come from two 0 down to win three two, someone someone tried to get the steward to kick Ollie out, which was quite <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh, but you yeah, tend to, I mean, you, you get a bit of banter and a bit of jokes, and the worst the worst you normally get is someone turning around and going like waving their hands and giving it a bit of way. But that's just part of it, you is that know. Just Andrew Cross, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just uh, that's that's just part of it, and you don't you don't really mind. Um, now, yesterday it got uh, it got a bit silly, really. Um, one, way, one way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, so you've had the controversy. So the, it was a slightly controversial moment. Uh, the, the the second uh, the second goal. Like I say, the, the 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 player had gone down injured. Now we've discussed the rights and wrongs of playing on there, but it was perfectly within the rules to play on. I'd expect other than Forster Casku is right by and Solly who are right by the challenge. I expect most of the Charlton players didn't even know what had happened well, anyway, especially not Ricky Owens. I've just read back. Uh, is it Paul Warren, their manager's yeah. post match, and he says I can't tell if it was a foul or not, but I don't think it was. Um, he says Robinson was trying to get the players to put the ball out of play, but I don't expect their players to turn around and see him. So he has no problem with it, really. Mm. Um, so, uh, so the goal's gone in. Uh, whilst after the goal's gone in, obviously again more riling up the Charlton players who didn't realise what was happened were giving it a bit in front of the Rotherham fans, but the most host- very hostile Rotherham fans uh, towards us. Now, like I said, I'm not I'm not even against a hostile fan giving it to the players a bit as long as they can take it back. Um, I don't like it. I remember. I think. I think it was like Gary Neville or Phil Neville got in trouble a while, like years when they were playing for giving a bit back. I was like, that's part. That's part of the sport. It's part Absolutely. of the game. It's even, even yesterday with Raheem Sterling, like celebrations with the crowd. It's part of the game. I know it's there for safety reasons, but it's got to be some sort of leeway yeah. for, for for special moments like that when it, with your own fans. Um, so when whilst the Jamie Proctor was obviously lying down in quite some pain and. Um, uh, Carl Robinson, uh, uh, according to Greg, I didn't actually look at Carl Robinson, but apparently when the goal went in, Greg made like Carl Robinson went to the bench and sort of, like said, "Tone it down." He's hurt himself quite nasty there, but Carl was still getting a lot of stick from the fans behind the goal, uh, behind the behind the dugout. Sorry, and apparently Carl might have laughed something off to them, and he started getting a bit of abuse. Now, um, 
where Greg and Terry were. They were sat literally in the row in front of me, and somehow I missed this entire exchange. <laughs> but I was, I was obviously when a goal goes in, you have to go on air and speak about it. So I was probably concentrating on that and not really paying attention to what was going on around me. But um, I somehow missed this exchange. But basically, there's a, a an angry Rotherham fan who wasn't too happy with Carl Robinson and then decided he wasn't too happy with Greg and Terry. I've recorded it. Obviously, we've had to beat this quite extensively. <laughs> uh, but just to let you know what happened after after yesterday's second goal. And, uh, yeah, you can probably hear how Rotherham are reacting to that. And uh, he's living up to it, put it that way. He's, he's smiling. But to be fair, to be fair to Robinson, uh, as soon as the goal happened, he, he put his hands up to the away bench. He's, he, you know, he saw it was quite a serious injury. You know, and it's not his fault. You know, so. So Rotherham are not, not happy at. And I'm receiving abuse now. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm receiving a few here. Straight, straight away, Proctor went down, and you could see, you could see it was a serious injury. There's no question about it. Put it this way, if I weren't commentating, I'd probably be thrown out by now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I can't really... Uh, well, with that, I'll pass you over to Terry Smith. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. So there we go. Um, a, a level of abuse that I don't think I've ever really seen handed out to a commentator before. What a charming man. Yeah, especially I mean, especially the comment about hoping that, that Terry and Greg have an accident on the way home mm. uh, was, was particularly kind of him. Um, that was quite funny, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I have to say, <laughs> listening back, I did enjoy Greg Squirm in there. Bless him. Yeah, I well, thought. What, what can he do? Yeah, I thought actually, to be honest, uh, he handled it very well because, as you say, what can you do in that situation? You've got someone, you know, six feet away from you, if that, hurling abuse at you, and you're trying to do your job. And I thought he did that well. Um, yeah, as you say, you expect a little bit, particularly when you're sat amongst other opposition fans. But he has clearly gone too far and. Yeah, nobody deserves to be treated like that. Uh, least of all, Greg and Terry, who not only do a good job, but it's not their fault. The, the, <laughs> exactly, play, the player's yeah. injured. Obviously, we've yeah. we've said already we wish him well. I'm sure those two wish him well as yeah. well, but it, clearly it just got too much for, for him. Yeah, I mean, listening back to the the, the incident, I mean, the, the bit the bit where the Rotherham fan turns on Greg. Yeah, is um, now Greg's sort of not. He's not laughing at the injury at all. No. he's laughing at the he's laughing at the sort of abuse that this guy was giving. To Robinson, who himself, Robinson had tried to calm everyone down because there was a nasty injury on the pitch, mm. um, and that, and that's when he that's when he really started. And like I say, it's something about the, the fans to sit around the press box at Rotherham. They're some of the angriest people I've ever I've ever had the pleasure of of, of sitting there. Uh, see, and it's, uh, see, this is why it's interesting. So, so Freddie said, uh, I wouldn't say the New York Stadium was hostile, other than the at Terry and Greg at atrocious home support. And you said it earlier. You said the the fans were quiet. But every time I've gone to Rotherham, I've, I've I've sat in that bit and just had a really different experience to it because they they really are like an ang- with their own team as well. But they're they're an angry bunch. And I don't understand it. Mm, yeah. Well, we just didn't really. There didn't seem to be a pocket of home fans that were particularly vocal. You know, when you come to Charlton, it is the North Upper, for example. 
Um, there didn't seem to be anywhere like that uh, that we could notice. There wasn't any particular chanting that we could hear. Um, but I, I do agree with you that every time I looked up, and as I say, because I know you guys, I was kind of looking up up there and you could see the, these people turning and, and hurling abuse. Um, so the, the hostility I can understand. But as I say, and, and, and you're right, Greg does kind of laugh there. And I think it's sort of half nervous laughter and half sort of diffusing laughter. You're just kind of laughing it off because Carl is trying to calm the situation down you know it was an awful an awful incident to happen to the player he's got a very painful injury nobody wants to see that everybody hopes he makes a speedy recovery but it's not Carl's fault it's not really Solly's fault it's definitely not Greg and Terry's fault and it's not McGuinness's fault for getting on the end of a cross what's he going to do catch it and say actually there's somebody hurt you know their managers come out and admitted we should have played on um if I was in that position, obviously I'd be frustrated that we've conceded a goal and that my player's injured and that the game wasn't stopped. But I'm not going to turn around and hurl abuse at the opposition's team commentators because <laughs> it's just a bit mad. But as I say, he clearly had just seen red, uh, gone for anyone that he could find. And unfortunately for Greg and Terry, they were the two that he aimed his abuse at. Fortunately for the rest of us, though, because uh, I found it very funny. Provided work. Greg and Terry are coping okay with yeah, it, then yeah. it will be something we can laugh at, <laughs> chant live drinks for a few years to come. <laughs> right. Um, we had a London Unit Geezer says the Rotherham ground should be intimidating, but it wasn't. Uh, silence reigned from the home fans throughout the, uh, the, the 90 minutes uh channel next says there's nothing like a bit of adversity to bring everyone together well done to the team the backroom staff and the commentary team uh and the fans come on uh you reds uh, uh gb addict said this is the beauty of football personified only football could make a grown man so angry <laughs> it made the three points feel so much sweeter and uh, 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 Lewis says, "Well, I guess living in Rotherham—that's just what it does to people." Uh, and uh, London, he said, "That section of the Rotherham fans are the ones who Millwall fans attacked a couple of years back. It's obviously their lads. Is that the one to the right of, of where mm. you're sitting? I'm guessing, but that's not where we sit. We sit on on the other side, and uh, it, it's, it's it's just a bizarre thing." Now, Captain Black Addict um, points out, and there's something. So this is this is arguably the worst part about this this rant. This is the bit that wound me up. You know, attacking my my friend, my gentle friend Greg, and uh, and Terry as well. Um, it's the fact that he was calling us Cockneys because mm. uh, Captain Black Addict says if Rotherham are going to call us Cockneys, we might as well start calling them Lancastrians. I'm sure they wouldn't mind. <laughs> yeah, because we are not Cockneys, are we? Definitely. And to not prove as far that, as I'm I've, aware. I've run a vote on on the Charlton Live Twitter, which uh, I've done a sort of twenty to six this afternoon. Uh, it's had 117 votes. Now, it's tonight's big question is, are we Cockneys? Now, I'm surprised this is split 50-50, actually. It's split 50-50. Uh, answer okay. one is no. That's got 50%. Answer two is also no. Oh, okay. That's got 50% as well, because we're not Cockneys. I was going to say, no. <laughs> no, we're definitely not. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, that's uh, the, the Rotherham ranter from, from yesterday. Uh, something that uh, will uh, go down in the memory books and like I say, uh, Greg and Terry... Make a nice little eye dent out of yeah, that. Yeah, oh, definitely. We've got loads coming out of that. Good. Uh, I'm going to be working on that over the next few days. So uh, Greg <laughs> and Terry have uh, happily survived. They both got home and have been accounted for uh, and uh, they'll, they'll get over yesterday's mishap, but it was very funny. Uh, and it started some debate on, on the Channel Life Twitter page. Right, we'll have a quick break. We're going to come back and our player in focus this week is uh, Josh McGuinness. Uh, so it's so your last chance to get your emails and uh, your tweets in about Josh McGuinness. Is he the man? Is he, is he the level of striker that can, you know, he's going to be our main striker this year. Can he fire us? To promotion uh, and uh, let us know at Charlton Live or studio at charltonlive.co.uk back in a couple of minutes Catching seeds but all 
one with Kovislan, he's gone for it, you know. Oh, what a oh, goal! goal. Oh, oh, what a goal, goal by Armakashi! Oh, that's almost at the halfway line. Unbelievable strike. That is outrageous. Right-footed. Well, he saw Armak off his line. What a goal. Live. So welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio on your Sunday evening. Louis Mendes and Tom Wallen in the studio here at the Valley. A very warm studio. It's warm, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a warm day, which I don't agree with. Um, <laughs> I don't like warm oh, weather. I like, I like average weather. Um, uh, but anyway, like, uh, like I say, we're still on a come down from yesterday's uh, excellent performance up at Rotherham. Now, every week on the Sunday show, we've decided this season we're doing a feature called uh, In Focus. So we, we pick a player to, to put in focus every week. Now, we've had, uh, I think so far, we've had Ben Amos and we've had, who was the other one we had? Jake Forster-Kasky. Jake Forster-Kasky, that's right, yeah. Uh, after, after you know, standout performances and, and we and we rate them. I think I think Ben Amos was, was our first one we did. Mm. Uh, we did Jake Forster-Kasky after last week to sort of highlight the improvement that he's shown. Um, I, I was half tempted to do Patrick Bauer to, uh, earlier today because similar to what Dan said earlier about his his improvements yeah. uh, over, over the uh, the last uh, the, the last few weeks, but uh, I, I went for McGuinness because it's a big debate at the moment. It's one that we've been having over the last few weeks with the uh, the search for an extra striker, um, it, you know, and and like I said, I I'll, I'll lay my cards on the table now. I'm perfectly happy with Josh McGuinness as our main striker this season. Mm. Uh, and I said after the Plymouth game, you know, I remember saying something lines of, I know he can score goals in this division because he did it last year. He got ten goals last year. Um, don't forget he had a lot of time off as well with injuries last year. When he came back from his injury last year, it did take him a little while to get going. But then he scored yeah. two in the last five or six games of the last season, uh, and he's got two now. It took him. You know, Plymouth was his first league game this season. So had a couple of misses in that where people gave him a bit of stick. But then he's come back. He's answered those critics with two goals in two league games uh, uh, since then. But obviously, because he's going to be our main striker and our backup striker is Lee Novak, who's not scoring as often as we'd like, there's a lot of pressure really on, on Josh McGuinness's shoulders. Uh, so, do you think he is up to? Can he be our not necessarily our Bradley Wright right Phillips because you know he's not that sort of striker? But can he be? Can he be a Yang Kermigan? Can he be the one who brings other into play but gets a very good goal return as well this season? Yeah, yeah, he definitely can. I'm, uh, I'm with you. I'd be more than happy if he's our number one striker I mean if we're signing Cristiano Ronaldo then perhaps not but uh, for me our striker search I'm assuming is to get somebody uh, better than Novak to come in and support Josh McGuinness because I haven't seen McGuinness have too many poor performances I don't even think you can necessarily put Plymouth down as a poor performance he got himself in the right positions he just messed up a couple of times right at the end and I understand that is his job but on another day he scores a hat-trick with that sort of performance so for me he should the way he's going get 15 goals this season without too much trouble um I like him I think he's brilliant in the air he's brilliant at bringing other players in he's also got that ability to hold the ball up and then turn and run with it as well um so I think he's got a lot of aspects to his game He's he's not as good as Kermigan. He's not a Bradley Wright Phillips poacher, but at this level for this season and with the other players around him, I I think he's a he's an excellent player. Um, I think the criticism that you know, admittedly, 
he, he did miss some chances, but I felt that was harsh after just one game. And he's signed his new contract, got two goals in two games, and and looks back to his best. I mean, we saw it last season when he returned. He, he returned from his injury, and I remember there, there was games last season where there was chance. I remember after about thirteen seconds away at Oldham, he blasted one over the bar, and he had uh, like so. We, we, when he's come back from his injury this game, in, in fairness against Plymouth, I mean, he hit the target for that one where the keeper pulled off yeah. an unbelievable save. He missed a couple of headers. In fact, he missed a header at Norwich as well. When about a minute later, they went down the other end and had the third. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you look at his goal record when he when he was getting games, you know, quite consistently at the at the um, you know in, in the first half of of last season, it's it's pretty you know promising. There's nothing, you know, he, he gets goals at a reasonable rate. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, we are at the moment a, a mid-table League One side. We're not going to be attracting the best player, particularly not this late in the transfer window. We we make do with the players we've got. I think for this level, he he's a pretty good forward to have. Um, he does need to work on his finishing because there are games where he has four chances and and only scores one goal. But if he does get that goal and the goal wins us the game, then so what? Um, and as I say, when you've got Reeves, Clark, Marshall, Fosu, Hearn Grant potentially, and obviously Ricky Holmes weighing in with goals you've also got as we've mentioned Bauer getting a couple you've got Forster Kasky who looks like he's going to try and score more goals this year and you've got Novak who if he does come on from the bench off for McGuinness has got a point to prove so we've said time and time again that this year we're going to need goals across the whole team but if he can set us a, a sort of stable 10 to 15 goals and the others build on top of that that's going to be our best bet and I have no doubt that if he stays fit, he'll be able to do that. And if we get another striker in who can put some pressure on him and, and also weigh in with goals, then brilliant. But if we can't, then McGuinness is going to have to step up and do that on his own. Hmm. Uh, Bob Liskin says, Whoa, steady on, Louis. Uh, McGuinness, the new Kermigan. not quite, Never. I, I don't think I quite said that. I said, can he be? <laughs> he, can he be that sort of player uh, for us? Um, uh, Mark says, uh, Garby Head Chef says, he's an international striker. If he stays fit... It's twenty as a minimum, really, as a reasonable ask. Now, I mean, can you think in twenty? I mean, is is he that sort of player? I mean, I don't. Yeah, never got twenty for us in a season. He's as a hold up player. But if you're our main striker, you do you feel like you kind of do need somebody with that? I mean, I remember someone pointing out earlier on in the season that last year there was only two players who got twenty goals, but one of them would play for Sheffield United who won the league. I I think he's got the ability to get twenty goals. I don't think he will. Um, I think. We'll probably get, at some point, we will get another striker, be it now or in January. And I think that supplement will mean that he is taken out for some games and doesn't play, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, every week. I also think that the formation we play and the style we play and the job he's asked to do means that he probably won't. But I think as a as an individual uh, at this level, I think he's got it in him to score 20 goals. But as I say, I just think... That's not going to be the makeup of this team. This team is going to share the goals around a lot more, and he's going to be an integral part in doing that. Uh, so I, I put it out to you guys, asking uh, your view on Josh McGuinness. Daniel A also said if he stays fit, then yes, he uh, he can be the man to fire us to promotion. He missed two months last year. Uh, this year, he should get more service and has seemed that way so far. And that's what you can't argue about, because if you think the, the amount of goals he scored. Last season, it, you, you're not inclu- you are including the fact that last season, who do who do we have created other than Ricky Holmes? I mean, yeah, well, he had Lookman in the first half yeah, of the season, true. didn't he? And that yeah. was when he was getting the goals. And then after that, he he struggled. And as you say, it's not a surprise when you look at the people who were delivering the ball into him, apart from Olverstad, who was obviously assist master. 
Yeah, yeah, you and your dreams. <laughs> he assisted your uh, descent into uh, yeah. madness. Uh, I was uh, going to say, where are, we, where are we going yeah. with that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan says, McGuinness can get 15 goals, surely, if he stays fit. Uh, and Cashy is still slapping players when we score. Yeah, I, I noticed think, uh, that yeah, yesterday. Yeah, he slapped. Who did he slap yesterday? Forster Kasky seems yeah. to be getting one in one of the pictures. Yeah, I uh, didn't see him slap McGuinness, but McGuinness is quite tall, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, so. no, I mean, what, what we do agree is that Ahmed Cashy needs to be stopped mm. uh, before he kills. That was more violent than Solly and thingy Proctor coming together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Charlton Exile says, I agree, I agree that Josh needs to be scoring 15 a season in this league for us. Uh, as one up front with three behind, he should be getting the chances. Now, of course, the other thing you say is... Um, uh, like I've said this the last few weeks, and Carl's definitely said it as well. Like, because we play with one striker, I mean, some some people go, "Oh, one striker, that's a, he's, you know, it's a four-five-one. It's, it's the four-two-three-one, and that means that I've always argued that's effectively four strikers because you've got three players who interchange around the edge of the box, do all do bits and get into the area, and that's what that's what we see with the likes of Forster Kasky getting goals. He's coming up from midfield. You know, the likes of Ricky Holmes and Fosse are going to get goals this season. So there, there won't be as much reliance on the strikers. Uh, but you know, as as we saw against Plymouth, it, it would probably be nice to have someone who's going to come off the bench when Josh is having a bad game or when Novak's having a bad game to to be a poacher and and to do something and to give us something different. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly right. That's what we need that other striker for and I've said it already on the show. We're we're going to get goals across the team and when we go forward we do look dangerous because we've got so many players up there. I do think again that that's part of our hindrance because Again, as I said earlier, when we were playing Rotherham, we were, our fullbacks were a bit exposed because all of our players bomb on. But maybe it, you know it's an exciting brand of football. If it's we're going to score more than you, then it's going to be some interesting games this season. Um, and when McGuinness is on form, uh, I have no problem with him being that man. It's when he struggles, like against Plymouth, or when the the cards just aren't going his way. You need to be able to bring him off and you need to throw somebody else on who you know is going to help out and score goals. Um, and I, I wonder whether Novak is that one. I, I do like him and I, I want him to do well, but I, he's not he's not reliable enough for me. Um, and that's, at the moment, that's the problem. And that's why I really hope in these last three or four days we can get some business over the line. Uh, now, obviously, when, when I spoke to Carl yesterday, I sort of joked that he's put, that we'll be bored of the question now because I mean that's that's transfer window, isn't it? Yeah. When it when it's coming to a close, that's the the only thing fans want to know about really is who, are we going to get anyone else over the line? And uh, Carl had hoped uh, talked of of a hope, and now he's been the last week or so he's been a lot less um, confident it seems about getting someone over that line. Um, you know, he says they've been trying. He said, I think he said he had two two bids rebuffed for an unnamed player, and obviously he went into the reason why you don't name the players you're going for. Uh, which is understandable, but I mean, you know, there, there, there will be a tangible disappointment if it gets to midnight on on on, the, on Thursday and we haven't signed another striker. Yeah, because he he's saying all this, but I'm still working on the assumption that we are going to get someone. Um, I think I said on Thursday show, the nearer it gets to that deadline, the more nervous I become that maybe we're not. And if we don't, then McGuinness is going to have to step up and prove himself even more, and Novak is going to have to become that player off the bench because. Although we we are going to share goals around, the striking position does still obviously need to get goals themselves. Um, I still think we need someone. I still want us to get someone. But if we don't, you know, as we've said, the rest of the squad is well supplemented. Um, and it just means more pressure from Carl on those other players to get themselves goals. You know, uh, Ricky started well. But as I said, Clark and Fosu so far haven't. And I know we're only three or four games in, but... 
let's get them some more chances and start getting them some goals. We've still got Reeves to come back and maybe he will he will prove to be that man because he certainly was able to do it on occasion at MK Dons. But yeah, for me, we, we still do need that striker and Carl didn't sound too optimistic yesterday, which is a concern, but we have still got a few days left and it needs to be the right striker and, and hopefully we can do it. Right, coming back to the uh, Rotherham ranter, uh, Matthias Johnson said, to be fair, it sounds just like what we hear when Park referee in the under-15s, that's what the crowds are like in Yorkshire, uh, Matthias lives up in Sheffield, uh, when uh, when the fans see, uh, hear things they don't like at a football match, they would just tell you that that behaviour is uh, unacceptable. I mean, it is, to be fair, like the, 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 the way that Terry was spoken to, I mean, it, it is, and, and Greg, is funny. But I mean, it, it certainly overstepped a line yesterday for someone who's there to do their job, and it would uh, there wasn't really any stewards anywhere near us. It would have been nice if someone had sort of stepped in. But yeah, yeah, as I say, we are laughing and joking about it now, and we've spoken to to Terry and Greg, and, and they're all right about it. But it is out of order to speak like that. You know, if if they were just in public and you do that, and I know it's a cliche to say that about football matches, but if you did just say that to somebody on the street, you know, you'd want someone to tell that person to to shut up, and it was. It was just completely over the top. As I say, he's clearly seen red. Um, for You can understand why he's as frustrated as he is, but you, you can't behave like that. And I was surprised, actually, at the lack of stewards over there because there were plenty by us and I didn't really see Charlton fans making any trouble at all. But, mm. you know, it's away fans. I understand that they're obviously going to target the away fans, but he would have been. they would have been well within their rights to eject someone like that because you can't part with that sort of language in a football yeah. stadium, really. And I know you, you do hear it, but n- not to that extent and not directed to one or two people yeah. like that. Yeah, the only troublemaker yesterday in the away was my other half, Amy, who <laughs> when, the, when the second goal went in, she got um, bundled down the stairs as part of the <laughs> celebrations, come back with big bruises on her legs. Oh, no. She's, she's actually quite disappointed that the bruises aren't as bad as the ones she got for Patrick Bowers' equaliser against Sheffield United last season. Okay. Uh, is that- is that a challenge for the yeah, season? Yeah, yeah. She, she wants to get as injured as possible celebrating Charlton goals. Uh, Dan Briordi says, I think we need a speedy guy. Bradley Wright Phillips would score an absolute bundle with our current midfield. And Dan uh, points out, it's a shame that McGuinness is away this weekend for the Oldham game. Would like to have seen him go on a run of games after scoring in the last uh, two. And Oliver Wilson says, uh, yes, I believe so. In answer to the question, will Josh McGuinness get 15 goals uh, this year? Now, just uh, quickly before we go to a break, uh, London Inigiza says, credit to Fosu. If Marshall hadn't gotten injured, uh, he wouldn't have been starting. He's grabbed his opportunity with both hands and I have been uh, very impressed by Tariq Fosu and like I say with uh, when, when Marshall and, and Reevesy come back from, from their injuries or you know just in case of Reevesy just getting up to, to speed with fitness uh, Carl's going to have a, a bit of a headache isn't he? Yeah you could argue that Clark would be straight out of the team and Reeves in I think that's what a lot of people expect but the way Clark's performed over the last four or five games has been brilliant I, I love the way he brings other players into play and as I say, I'd like to see him get a couple of goals himself over the next couple of weeks, but I think he's doing an excellent job. Fosu, I've been impressed with what I've seen. Um, he's clearly a very raw talent and he's going to take a bit longer to, to start getting in with the goals and that aspect of the game. Um, I do expect Marshall to come back in fairly soon after his injury, but to have that choice and for Carl to make those decisions, it's a tough decision for him, but it's great as fans to see that we've got all those different options up there because it it makes us exciting. Amy tweets in, ha ha, that description is almost as over, a to- over the top as the angry Rotherham, <laughs> <laughs> Rotherham fan. Andy Pendant says, I think we will get 15 goals on the striker issue. Ricky Lambert is without a club. Don't think he will want uh, massive 
wages. Right, come on, let's have a, a break, because after the break, we've still got the Checker Trade Trophy to talk about. We're also going to hear from Gary Ganor, who is the uh, the manager of the uh, Charlton Athletic Community Trust Invicta team. Uh, so we're going to hear from him uh, just after the break. <laughs> Into the box, it's a flick off from McGinnis. Yeah! 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 Oh, Sean have grabbed the equaliser. I think it could have been Bauer on the line, but McGinnis's initial header. And quite how we've done it, I've no idea, but Charlton are back on level terms. Right, so welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Just over 10 minutes of the show left to go. Uh, now, on Thursday afternoon here at the Valley, uh, the Charlton Athletic Community Trust, along with the club, uh, announced uh, their new uh, Invicta, well, their new, their new side. So there's, there's a team that's been going around for the last few years called the Bexley Invicta team. And now they're an LGBT plus friendly team. So that doesn't mean you have to be gay to play for them or anything like that. Uh, it, means, it means they're a safe space. And you know that if you're going to there, you're going to go and play with them. Uh, you know that you're going to be amongst like-minded fans. That's not you're not going to be playing for homophobes. Is is the thing? It's Which, a safe space for. To be fair, what everybody wants. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's the it's a, it's a safe space to go and play football. Now the community trust they, they have had a sort of a friendly relationship with the community trust over the last few years. I think in going as far as using the, the training uh, facilities down at the Sparrows Lane and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but that uh, that. Um, uh, relationship was solidified on on Thursday. The the club announced that the uh, the trust are now taking the, the team completely underneath their wing. They're going to start wearing red. They're now going to be called China Athletic Community Trust uh, Invicta uh, FC. Uh, you know, use use continue to use the, the training ground, that sort of thing. Now, um, me, Tom, and Nathan all represented Charlton Live uh, in the summer in a tournament here at the Valley uh, in the Football Against Homophobia tournament. Now, we played for the Proud Valiants, which is the LGBTQ uh, fan group. Uh, they put out a team of uh, a mis- a mismatch of players, really. And we were us for one. Yeah, thing. us. Yeah, clearly a bad team because uh, <laughs> we were playing for it. But um, it, it was it was a really good day. And one of the teams that we faced were Be- were then Bexley and Victor. Uh, now called uh, Charlton FA Community Trust Invicta, uh, and they absolutely battered us on the pitch. They're they're a really good team, uh, but obviously now it's, it's 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 a sort of like I say a safe space for LGBT LGBT uh, men to go and play football. Now I uh, we I met Gary uh, that game, uh, and. Uh, contacted him during the week to say um ask if he could come on and explain explain a little bit more what the team's all about really because um i'm sure a lot of you might not have heard of them before we you know we heard of them because we played against them uh so i spoke to gary so now the he was on the on on the, the mobile phone in the car so it's not the best quality but i think there's enough that you can hear here uh so this is gary ginnor uh the manager of the uh charlton athletic community trust in victor team basically the team was set up in 2011 um to provide a safe friend for um, footballers from the LGBT community um, and uh, um, obviously uh, over a, a few number of years it took a while to um, to establish itself and, and join the league. They joined the league in 2012 um, as an XD Um and then I took over uh, as a player manager and um, 
those lines, like any manager wanting to take over a new team, you, you want to take it to the next level. Um, and um, as a Charlton fan, the, the, I always had this in the back of my mind that it would be great to get some support from Tottenham uh, or the community trust. And um, so about 18 months ago, um, my boyfriend who's sitting in the car with me kept pushing me to contact Charlton see what they can do, see how they can help in, in any way. And I made the, the, the jump of contacting them and sort of things have sort of flown from there, really. Did you find that the, the club and the trust were really sort of um, welcoming to, to your ideas? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the initial... Um, it's, it's funny because um, Matt Parrish, who's the work for the Community Trust, actually did um, uh, my FA Level 1 coaching, so I already sort of had a contact and a, a, a way in, so um, I made a few calls, got a meeting set up with Matt, um, and me and Sam went down and sort of spoke to them, and, and, and they basically said they'd be happy to help, um, but it's the sort of thing that took a while to get up and running, um, and then July last year we started training um, at the Charlotte training ground and playing our home games last season, and, um, and we had a really good season, you know, um, we were able to offer facilities that no other teams um, that we're competing against can offer. Um, the, the training pitches and the training ground are, are out this world. I mean, you know, compared to the the box standard Sunday league money pitches, um, you know, and so we, we managed to recruit a load of number of players coming in. We've had a really good season, and, and over the course of the summer, the trust started discussing how we could take it on further, and this was the natural progression was to evolve into Charlton Invicta. There's, there's quite a number of teams, LGBT friendly teams, that have um, an affiliation or, or an association with a professional football club. Um, London Titans have got a link up with QPR, and, and there's a few teams uh, up north that have got links. And pretty much the same sort of link that we had with, with Charlton. But, but this is taking it on to a whole other level and for Charlton to actually, if anything, I suppose you say, take over the club and actually bring him under their umbrella and rebrand and, you know, we're wearing Charlton kits and so we are actually Charlton's LGBT friendly team and so, yeah, they're the first professional football team to have their own team um, that's LGBT friendly and, and for a third division football team, that's, um, that's, that's some, some going. And you had your, your big North Thursday down at the Valley. Was that was that a very special day? Yeah, there's a lot of hard work that went into it, a lot of um, weeks of planning. And uh, it was quite an exciting day for me and for all the players that were down there. We had a photo shoot on the pitch with, with a training session. Um, we had a press conference. Um, we got to meet um, Carl Robinson, Johnny Jackson, Lee Boyer and, and Katrine. And um, we had all Sky Sports, BBC News and ITV News down there. Um, and it was a really good day. And then we went up into Soho and, and celebrated with um, champagne and cocktails. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, why do you think it's important that, that there are LGBT-friendly uh, football clubs out there? Because I know, I know if, you, if you look at Twitter, you'll get some people saying they don't, they don't understand why, the need for them. But uh, well, why do you feel it is important? I think that um, you'd like to get to the point where it's not needed and that anyone can just go and join any team but it's just not possible at the moment I mean like I never played from the age of 19 to 31 because I didn't feel comfortable playing part of the Sunday League team and being myself because the closer you get to your teammates they'll start asking questions and, and 
I, I would have felt uh, I would have to hide who I was. And so for me to join a team like Mexia that it was then and be completely open with who I am and it, and it be no issues whatsoever, we're not segregating. I think that's the important thing. All we're doing is trying to raise awareness that there are gay players out there and, and it's okay to be gay and want to play football. You know, I mean, if, if you met me in person, I'd like to think my sexuality wouldn't be a, an issue, but it, it wouldn't be, um, you wouldn't be able to tell because at a Charlton game, I'm like any other Charlton fan. I'm there just for the team. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm not a hooligan, but I, I can get quite um, quite involved in the game. So, uh, as we all do, as Charlton fans, you know, so... Um, but, but there's a need for it because there's a lot of there are a lot of um, footballers out there that probably aren't as comfortable in their surroundings, especially at a football game, uh, as I am. And so for them, this is a massive, massive benefit to to be able to be themselves in a in a friendly environment where they're not going to be judged for who they are. Just on their playing ability, that's what we're going to judge them on. So there you go, that's Gary Gunnor, who's the player and manager of the Charlton Athletic Community Trust Invicta team, newly uh, brought under the club's umbrella uh, this week. And I thought, just, just a question I thought was, was important, because I'm always curious to see how people react to this sort of thing, because you, know, you often see on Twitter people saying, I don't understand why, but if you, if you haven't lived someone's life, if you haven't lived the life of a gay football fan, for example, you don't know what it's like. So that's, and you, you, you'll find yourself saying, oh, I don't understand, we're all equal, but you know, people aren't treated equally, no matter what you think. Um, you know, if you until you've lived that life, you don't know, and that's why it's, it's great news to see something like that brought together. Um, he made me laugh when Gary said he's not a hooligan, yeah. uh, not because he is a hooligan, yeah. but it's just a bit defensive. <laughs> uh, he's, I'm sure he's like the rest of us in, in the stand. We've all got our moments. Uh, but anyway, that was uh, great to hear from Gary. Thanks for for coming on to the show. And good luck uh, for your season. Right, uh, Mark says as we look ahead to Tuesday's game down at Crawley, uh, it says, do we have to play a certain amount of players from the league game for these pointless cups? Now it used to be six. I, tr- I was trying to look up the rules the other day when I was bored, uh, and I don't know if the wording of the rules seem to have changed a bit. But so my assumption is. It's still six, uh, but we, there, there is certainly there was teams that were fined last year for not playing a full term. We got about three grands of fines throughout. Because I think in the in the last game we 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 played a pretty weak team, and the the, the worst one was last year, Luton Town. Yeah, got I think fifteen grands worth of fines for uh, playing their kids, their under twenty one team in all three games. They won all three games, and they got fined for putting out a weakened team. I mean, it's a ridiculous rule and a ridiculous competition. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but you know, like we, we were bemoaning the fact that the youngsters who played in the League Cup have sort of lost that chance now for a bit of first team action. So they do get that in this competition. Uh, and if you look for the positives of it, uh, you know, it's a new ground for me to tick off with, with Crawley <laughs> as well. But if yeah, if you're looking for the positives, there is the fact that some youngsters will get more playing time uh, and another chance to try and prove to Carl that they. they should be pushing for this first team and to put a bit of pressure on the, the players uh, who are in the first team. Yeah, I think there's there's two positives to it. One, the youngsters get a run out and two, if you do get to the final, you get to Wembley. Um, aside from that, that it's a, it is just a complete waste of time and how they've made a, a trophy that it, this bad it is beyond me considering their entire job is about making it good. But yeah, we should take a, take the fines and and play youngsters in my opinion play not even youngsters but the second string give them as much exposure as we can because we're going to need them through the season in the games that actually matter um if we do get through the group then great why not aim for for a trophy it's not a massive trophy but Carl's won it before and obviously I'm sure we'd all love a trip to Wembley even for something like this so yeah that that's the way I would see it um 
I know Crawley haven't started brilliantly, uh, so let's try and impose ourselves on them and get a good win and and keep that confidence up because at the moment we're we're in a pretty good place as a, as a club I think mm. yeah Crawley got their first win of the season a bit of a shock yesterday they'd mm. gone away to Swindon who I think were unbeaten or possibly even won all their games Crawley hadn't earned a single point uh, and they won by uh, by three goals to nil uh, right oh yeah we have run out of time actually <laughs> the show's absolutely flown by uh, this evening thanks to all of you who who listened um uh, especially those of you, of course, who went up to the game yesterday and were able to provide us uh, with your emails. Thanks to Gary Gnor for, for coming on the phone earlier as well to explain about the new Charlton uh, Invicta team. Now, uh, me and Tom are going to be back on Thursday because we're going to yeah. be looking ahead to next Saturday's game up at Oldham. So that's going to be uh, the big match preview. But thank you for, for coming in this Cheers evening, Tom. Thank you. Uh, and like I say, thanks to all of you who've listened. I hope you've in- enjoyed the show. I've certainly enjoyed uh, looking back at... Uh, yesterday's superb performance it was my birthday yesterday so it was, uh, honestly I couldn't have asked for a better day is winning away at Rotherham is the stuff that dreams are made of <laughs> uh, but it was a good birthday and I also just want to give a quick shout out as well to a new friend I made on the train home Andrew uh, I hope you're alright mate <laughs> um, he's uh, he, he come on a train back with us so I hope your head's okay uh, and uh, he should he should be fine hopefully uh, he, he said he was a listener anyway um, so yeah thanks for, for joining in thanks for listening we'll be back on Thursday uh, don't forget Tuesday we're in action at the um, at the uh, Checker Trade Trophy and well done to the women's team for beating Gingham as well 2-1 today uh, we'll see you on Thursday Chocolate.